prayer is a mystery that somehow at its core is part of the workings of God in the universe. I believe in prayer. I don't know how it works, but I'm certain it's real. When Father Ricardo prays St. Luke's prayer list and reads the names and causes all of us offer each Sunday. It is in that context that I ask you to reflect with me on today's gospel. Capernaum sat on the banks of the Galilee about two miles south of where the Jordan River flows in. As a crossroads on the way up to Damascus, a Roman custom house taxed the silk and spices traded for fresh fruit and dried fish. Having been kicked out of Nazareth and dealing with the death of John the Baptist, Jesus walked there. And after meeting Andrew and Simon Peter, made Capernaum his second home. For almost two years, that Galilee area was the focus of his ministry. According to Mark and Matthew and Luke, Jesus healed all kinds of people there who, as you can imagine, were very impressed. You can still sit and walk around in the ruins of the Capernaum synagogue, but it dates only from the fourth century built over the stone floor of the synagogue where Jesus actually taught, Simon Peter's home just a few blocks away. How do we know? A first century church had been built on that site. Known as the first church in the world, its memory was so indelible that in the fifth century, an octagonal church was built on Peter's house. In 1990, the Franciscans built a beautiful modern church straddling the ruins so as not to disturb what was visible underneath. So, why all that description? Because it anchors Capernaum in real time and history. Today's gospel invites us, challenges us, to tackle a difficult subject the relation between religion and science, prayer and magic, not magic tricks, but the omens and magic interrupting the natural order assumed in ancient times. Now, I must admit to a bit of fear and trepidation to contemplate aloud what you're about to hear. But St. Paul reminded the church at Corinth, an obligation is laid on me and woe to me if I do not proclaim the gospel. So here goes. Religion has to be real. Our faith relating to the reality of the 21st century. The challenge is even stronger when theology has taken on the mantle of history, when meaning has been mistaken for fact, and faith in the divine Christ has been read back into the life of the human Jesus. As a student of the Bible in these 20th, 21st centuries, here are three of my core beliefs. One, the same world existed in Jesus' time as exists now, with the same rules of physics and biology 
understood differently because of a worldview far different from his time and ours. Two, Jesus, as the creeds affirm, was a real human being. Three, the Gospels, written in hindsight, not eyewitness accounts, were not composed as histories, but as interpretations and declarations of faith. You might say expanded creeds. Now, hear today's gospel in the Greek present tense Mark wrote in. At once on leaving the synagogue, Jesus goes with James and John straight to the house of Simon and Andrew. Now Simon's mother-in-law is in bed with a fever, and at once they tell him about her. He goes to her, takes her by the hand, and helps her up. The fever leaves her, and she begins to serve them. That evening after sunset, they bring him all who are sick and those who are possessed by devils. Everybody starts looking for him. Now, what happened there? I have no idea. But did Jesus have powers that we don't, can't have? Was God walking on earth in human form? That's where I balk, and preaching gets dangerous. A question. In all the healing stories from Hebrew scripture to the Gospels, were molecular changes involved? If it's the same world, with the same rules of biology and physics, I think not. Many would consider me a heretic for that statement. But how can we understand or proclaim the gospel in today's world with a pre-scientific mentality? As I struggled with this gospel, it dawned on me the miracle is in the molecules, not in their possible change. Life itself, incredibly complicated, made up of DNA and viruses, good and bad, life is the miracle. Ancient Greek doctors, linked with the name of Hippocrates, based their development of medicine on natural causes rather than supernatural intervention. But to this day, the expectation of magical healing is more widespread than we imagine, especially in churches. A couple of weeks ago, an older, very gracious nurse drew my wife's blood. As she gently searched for a good vein and knowing that I am a priest, she said, my pastor owes over a million dollars in fines. Oh, you may have heard, she said, I attend Calvary Christian Church and there with people from many churches every Sunday. And I thought, oh, my God. But I asked, do you wear masks? Oh, we don't need to. I have faith. God protects us. And there she was, a possible carrier exposing us. I believe in germs and viruses, I said. 
Oh, I do too, she replied. It seems that a lot of Christians continue to live pre-Greek, expecting magical protection, such as people who refuse to wear masks or to keep distance in the face of COVID-19. The previous government was criticized for not listening to science in its dealing with the virus. Multiply that in spades to religion. The primary area where magic still dominates our society is in popular concepts of prayer. Is prayer an attempt to get God to change his mind? Or wishful thinking to make those molecular changes? If I just pray hard enough, will Aunt Ethel be cured of Alzheimer's or cancer, COVID or lung disease? Keep a family member safe on the road? Or change weather patterns? Stop the drought? It may be a good time to re-examine our catechism, the church teaching on prayer and worship. Prayer book, page 856, may surprise you. Now that he's unmuzzled, Dr. Fauci, speaking of COVID, said, we must all follow the science. I echo that in our approach to the truth of religion and our faith. Science and religion can, must live together. It is my faith that we live in that biological world with biological rules. The recent issue of Time Magazine is entitled Mysteries of a Virus. They kill us by the millions, but without them, life is impossible. In Jesus' day, people didn't know about viruses, much less mental illness. As a man of his time, Jesus knew nothing about atoms or proteins. A primary reason for doubt among people of all ages is when our belief system doesn't jibe with what is known about basic reality. Even as we keep discovering details of how life works, we need to listen to the sciences for the facts and examine our religious beliefs through the same lens to comprehend and communicate our faith both facts and faith in the context of awesome mystery. Years ago, Jill and I were spending the night in Canterbury with friends, the artist Linda Birch and her husband, the Reverend Trevor Pitt, who taught there. Trevor and I had been classmates at St. George's College in Jerusalem. After supper, he invited me to go with him to a healing service at his parish church nearby. Now, Growing up in Oklahoma <clears throat> during the time of Oral Roberts, my mind went to its usual skepticism. But respecting and trusting Trevor, I went along and was struck by his introduction to the service. As he said, I want to remind you of the difference between healing and curing. Curing is an agent of medical doctors, nurses, and pharmacies. Healing is what we do through prayer and action, 
as we seek wholeness in all areas of life, so a man may find healing just moments before his final breath. Jesus didn't give us magic. He gave us tools. And he gave us a spirit, how to use and share them. Our creator gave the gift of order. Life can exist because of it. Order has allowed people to figure things out, how viruses and diseases work. That same order gave the ability to make and improve medicines and vaccines to deal with smallpox, polio, and COVID, enabled the skill of surgery, encouraged people to probe the complexity of the human body and mind, and this amazing universe we're just beginning to understand in its many dimensions. In his brief ministry, Jesus lived out and brought to fruition the implications of his Hebrew heritage, which proclaimed that truth is one of the many names of God, and that peace involving wholeness and healing is at the root of shalom, salam, a crucial part of God's will. Part of the good news of the gospel is that in Jesus' spirit, we can integrate all these areas of life. Through the centuries, Christianity hasn't always been a model of religion, integrity, or freedom. But look at the numbers of hospitals and institutions of learning throughout the world that have been founded and funded because of Jesus' transforming, healing spirit. What happened in Capernaum that day, we'll never know. I know there's much we don't know, spiritually and biologically. More to be discovered, and I'll welcome it from whatever source. But I do know this. At our best, we followers of Jesus, the Christ, have been a source of healing, bringing wholeness to the world in every way possible. That's my faith, and I'm sticking to it. <laughs>